Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back to Biased with me, Jose Criales Onsueta. Joining us today is my friend Joseph, a fashion doll who currently leads the social impact initiatives at the CFDA. On today's episode, Joseph and I discuss references at the intersection of fashion and culture. We also discuss the importance of giving credit, social sciences and fashion, decentering references, biases, and of course, diet Prada. So please follow along. Hey dolls, welcome back to Bias. Today's guest is a dear friend and one of the smartest people I know, and one of my favorite people to discuss fashion with. Joseph, what's up? How are you? Hey, hey Jose, thanks for having me today. How's life? Life has been a lot. I think it's been a lot for everybody, but everything has been okay. I think it's been such a balance between, I don't know, just everything, the personal, the professional, social, personal. Uh, exactly. It's just something that has been... I don't know, a good moment for us, I think, especially in fashion and in our personal lives to really just pause and take a look at what's important. So that's what I've been doing the last few months. But how are you? I'm, I'm doing well. It's been pretty much the same for me. Um, I've been focusing a lot of my time, not only on work, but on things outside of work that make me happy and that I hadn't, been, I hadn't given myself the allowance to work on. Of course. I think that's so huge, especially now. I mean, I have so many friends and people that I care about who um, have really taken this time to think about what's important to them and what gives them energy, what fulfills them. And I think what's so interesting about now, there's been such an emphasis, I think, on, on looking inward and focusing inward. And the excuses that we had before, I'm so busy, like I have to catch the train, like I'm going to this event. I have to go to this friend's thing. I mean, that exists now to some extent, but a lot of that's gone away and it's really made us look at, okay, I don't really have an excuse anymore. Like my access to digital or my access to emailing someone or calling someone is easier than ever. So how can I take advantage of that? And how does that make me happy and and fulfill what I want to do. And the fact that you're doing this, I think is huge. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's so inspiring because you hear people all the time, like, oh, if I could, if I would, if I should, and you know, you're someone who's, who's doing it. And I think that that says a lot about, um, I don't know, the future for you and future for, for fashion. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about you. Who are you? What do you do? Tell the dolls. (laughs) <laughs> what they need to know about Joseph. How, how witchy do we want to get? We can get you start with astrology or not. Um, yeah, <laughs> my, name, <laughs> my name is Joseph. Um, I've been in New York for New York City for about 11 years. Um, I went to school here. So I went to university here in New York and um, I studied sociology and literature at NYU. Um, and what else? I currently work for the CFDA, so the Council of Fashion Designers of America. Um, I've been there for five years. Uh, before that, I worked for Uniqlo USA, mm-hmm. um, getting out of college. And then I worked for Opening Ceremony for a number of years, which was a great experience. RAP, but the legacy lives on. Um, the, the substance and what it did for culture is forever. For the sure. community that was built is something that's so important to me. And um, I miss it. But it's like I said, it still exists. Yeah. Um, I am a Leo. Uh, <laughs> if people are curious, uh, some people just just tuned out and logged off. Um, uh, I have, uh, like I said, been in fashion for um, basically all the years that I've been working. 
I, in college, had really no intention of working in fashion. I feel like for me, it was something that was always a personal interest. Um, I grew up in the woods in Connecticut, literally a town of a few thousand people. I went to the smallest high school in Connecticut. Uh, my graduating class, there was like two of us. <laughs> um, and then I got out around like 19, 20, and I moved to New York. Um, I'm 32 now. And it's been, you know, it's been wild, but it's been great. I think that my time in fashion, at least, has really been interesting because, and I think there are a lot of people who relate to this, you know, I'm not a designer. I'm not someone that styles. I'm not, you know, a curator. Um, I'm someone that's in fashion that loves the industry, that loves the quote unquote work, um, you know, for better or worse, because there's a lot of things that can be improved but I care about it. And to care about something without actively creating, I think that puts you in an interesting position in the industry. Um, I'm not necessarily a marketing person. What I do for CFDA is, is pretty wide. I would say the, the role itself is, carries a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I started out earlier on um, in quote unquote in fashion through things that were accessible to me. I think a lot of people relate to that also where you know, you, maybe you have friends, you look up things online, you do your own research and you find things that <clears throat> you see yourself in and that you feel like you wanna be more like. Yeah. And that's something that I think has been really uh, impactful for me. And, and yeah, that's sort of where I am now. I mean, I made a pretty clear decision, I think also, um, but I get this question a lot, especially at CFDA where it's like, oh, like how did you, you know, you're not a designer, you're not someone that is quote unquote on the creative side though I do think I'm a creative person, like how did you break in? And that's something that I think is, it's a really tough question because there's so many ways to participate. And there's so many ways to engage. And, um, you know, for me, it was just, those are the friends that I had. I had creative friends. They were photographers. They were people that were quote unquote, you know, in the scene, which is an awful expression. Um, but they were people that were fashion adjacent and that had interests in it. And, um, and yeah, it's sort of, you know, it ended up going from me moving to New York to be a therapist to <laughs> doing something totally unlike that, um, which is funny because my sister's a therapist now. Um, okay. So, so I, I passed the torch to her. Um, but yeah, that's, that's sort of where I am now. I think something that I value a lot from our conversations is that, again, as you say, you're not, you're, I consider you a very creative person. I consider you also, again, one of the smartest people that I know. And your insight Likewise. into fashion, thank you. Your insight into fashion is very, for me, it's very interesting, very valuable and very compelling because you bring this social sciences kind of background into this conversation, right? Like you right. not only see fashion as quote unquote the work or only see it as this fantasy or whatnot like a lot of for example myself as a designer like that for me that's like that was always the center of it right like this fantasy or like this beautifully conceptual like you picture like i'm a queen collection you know but you also see it like as as a tool and you see it as even as as a research tool to understand so many other things and that's something in fashion that i've always loved and especially in the past few years, I've come to appreciate even more and look into more. How can fashion allow us to understand um, our situation or understand people in different ways? The things that you post, the things that you share, the things that you talk about, or even the things that I post and how you react to them are 
is just very interesting to me. So I would love to talk a little bit more about that. Like for you, what's what's that connection between like sociology and other social sciences and fashion? Yeah, of course. I know, I, I think that you mentioning Instagram is so interesting to me because it's, it's something that, I mean, it's like the ultimate communication device, mm-hmm. um, visual communication and also just like great intellectual dialogue and, and engagement. But social sciences to me is so important because, um, and it's also been a personal interest of mine for many, many years where I think that fashion in particular, uh, something that I think that we know intuitively or maybe that we know um, uh, you know, personally, emotionally is, you know, it's a response to our culture. It's a response to the society that we live in. Um, but I think that there are broader implications and broader influences that are involved with that. You know, we really don't understand, I think fully as an industry. And again, I think we do maybe intuitively that when we look at a collection, when we look at a designer or even a product, right? Like if we're going to use the word product as something that, um, you know, is, is, is relatable to the, to the consumer. Cause we've really, <laughs> I think when we talk about fashion, there's a few different buckets that we're looking at. Like we're talking, I think you referenced a bit ago, like the aspirational, right. The sort of dream mm-hmm. fantasy, the thing that makes you feel like there's something that's worth pursuing. There's something that's bigger out there for you. There's something that, um, you know, is, is a goal that you can reach or that you're going to strive always to reach. And then there's the, the transactional side, there's the business end where it's really, it's, you know, how do we, how do we enhance the product? How do we talk to the consumer? And I think all of those things matter. The, the yeah. most boring thing to me in fashion or in my experience is when people treat sort of like the creative and the business as two separate entities. Um, I think that's such an, that's such an outdated um, stereotype that at least had weight in it before, but now more than ever, I think is, is becoming one in the same. Um, not to say that, you know, you can always quantify and transact around that sort of fantasy or that, that aspiration, because I do think that there are people who truly create to create Mm -hmm. and create for themselves, um, or create for their tribe or their community and don't want to sell that, you know, that product, or they don't want it to become a product. Uh, but that's why social science to me is so interesting. I think it's also about, um, understanding, uh, culture and reference as something that informs work and not something that is decided by work. Um, that's huge. I think for me, it's really that understanding, like, again, as I mentioned, if you look at a collection or you look at a designer's inspiration um, or even a brand's image or how they package themselves, um, it pulls from something. It either pulls from their own culture or it pulls from somebody else's. Exactly. Having that, you know, that knowledge and that sort of mindset um, is huge. And I think of also people that I really personally admire a lot. I mean, I look at someone like a Gordon Parks, who um, was such an instrumental figure in the civil rights movement um, as, a, as a researcher, as a documentarian, you know, as a photographer, but at the same time is such a stakeholder and such a critical voice and sort of legend in the fashion space. And how, you know, Mr. Parks was able to really navigate those two spaces and crisscross them, I think is so interesting. And we're seeing people now, and I even think of someone like you now who has such an interest in um, both culture and in larger you know, societal conversations, um, but also the fantasy <laughs> and, and quote unquote, the industry, which is, you know, I think a term that we use to mean a lot of things, but yeah. it's easier just to say the industry. So 
as we've spoken before, the importance of social sciences, and I feel this way about business too, like for students and not that I went to fashion school, but in order to have a really, I think, informed career in fashion, um, in whatever way, if you're a designer, if you're a marketing manager, if you're a photographer, if you're a writer, is to have a really strong grasp on on things like business and social science, because um, fashion, like I said, it, it, it holds a mirror up to those things. And it also um, is something that, you know, there are vehicles for it as well. It, it moves forward with those things. I think that for me, that last part that you just said about having the importance of having that both the business and the social sciences background into being a person in fashion is so important because I look back into when I was in college and I had one class that was history of fashion and it was one class out of the many others and it was very much uh, a breeze through through everything that has happened in fashion going into like film and everything and it was such an interesting class right you touch into so many interesting parts and you only touch into them you know it was very much a breeze through it was the class that everyone just tried to find an easy professor to take because it's not an important class quote unquote like no one really gave it any thought and that made me so sad because you can you you, you can kind of tell right now when you look into the industry and when you look into what a lot of people do, even those same references sometimes are, they become even a bit shallow in a, in a sense that you you took like a breeze through class over history and then you touch into like specific parts and that's the only parts that you know, mm-hmm. or um, you don't even know the history. So you you create something and you don't know where it's, where it's been before, where it comes from, or you, you, you have no sense of like that history that can provide direction for the future, right? the pivotal moment for me into it during like my my years as a student was in one of my art history classes one with a professor i think it was like the turn of the century into the 1900s right he's talking about and i remember this like vividly (laughs) he like he was talking about this essay and talking about how um he was trying to use this essay to describe like who the modern man was and he mentions how designers fashion designers product designers illustrators whatnot as these people that were supposed to capture the side guys right like the people that were supposed to look outwards into society also look inwards as a product of society mm-hmm. and be able to capture everything that was going on everything that had gone on and everything that they would expect to happen in culture and in society into quote-unquote product whether it's fashion, whether it's a drawing, whether it's 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 typography, whatever, it's just, yeah. And that really struck with me because I had never seen fashion like that until that point. Like I, don't, I always saw it as something amazing as something so relevant as a product of culture, but I never saw it as a research tool or how important it is for you to understand, for designers and for marketers, merchandisers, editors to understand the zeitgeist and culture and its history to also understand fashion. And I think that's that that has become a passion of mine to not only talk about fashion, but talk about everything that's going on around fashion and how it informs it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that's so transparent and clear in your Instagram, for example, and what inspires so many conversations that we have. Um, and also what you said is so interesting to me because it's, it, it is very that it's very, you know, a school, here you go, you get a semester to understand, <laughs> to understand everything from, you know, you're going to go from Michelangelo 
all the way to David Lynch in, in three or four months. So you better understand it now, pay attention. Exactly. And it's something that um, I think can't be rushed and also something that can't be learned in just a matter of a few months. Um, I think that what's interesting and what I love a lot about your Instagram, especially is, you know, I think it's a constant reminder to people that everything comes from something. And to have that understanding um, is really critical. And also it's something that, you know, you're never going to know at all. You know, if you're going to, if you're getting caught up in, you know, oh, I missed this or I didn't know that, that's great. You're not supposed to know everything. Um, you're also not supposed to, you know, you're, if, if that was the case, then we would never create anything. Exactly. <laughs> we would never, we would never innovate or move forward. So there is definitely a relationship between, you know, um, the sort of social commentary now, and then also people like you who are blending that with that sort of fashion history, um, that quote unquote archival research, um, which I think is so huge. And it's honestly really fun because it will expand your own, I think, mental network um, of interests and passions. Honestly, part of this conversation, and I wanted to make sure I mentioned this because I thought about this the other day when we spoke, I think that also comes from generationality. And it's really coming from connecting with people and talking to people who, who exist and who've lived outside of your generation. And it's really looking to, you know, those who've come before us to really go, you know, like, like when you were my age, what did you guys talk about? You know, what did you all talk about? When you were my age, like, what were you passionate about? Because every generation, I think, sees itself as the innovative generation and sees oh, itself sure. as the end all be all. <laughs> We all do. I guess this veers into a conversation more about references and, and that sort of that lexicon of references is um, now more than ever, what's really interesting is I think that we're, that we're looking back to look forward. And I think we've, that's always been the case, right? Like every article is always like, this designer was inspired by, <laughs> you know, enter decade. Um, and, and that is, that holds true in every review and every article that we see. But really, I think now people are so interested in, at least young people, um, in that fashion history. So I'm so happy that there are folks like you who are, um, who are reincorporating it or incorporating it into the social media dialogue. Thank you. That makes me happy. And I think, yeah, like for me, I always, and again, I used to all going into references, right? I used to always get caught up in references at first. And it wasn't only because, again, when I was in college, my professors were very about references, but also because growing up and like my access into fashion was Tumblr, was Lady Gaga and blogs about her was all these little things. And she was wearing archive. So people were all of a sudden talking about archive. And I was like, what is an archive? <laughs> I'm like, what, what are these people? <laughs> you know, I'm like, because if not, it was e-news and a red carpet review that I used to always also be addicted to. Like, I would love to see a red carpet even more than the award ceremony because I just wanted to look at like people talk about it. And that has evolved so much into nerding out about archives and nerding, nerding out about history of fashion and understanding where things come from. But for me, what I, I think something that strikes me from what you just said, that part of like, it's fine if you don't know the reference, right? Like you don't need to get caught up. Like it's, it's great to know, but it's also a good learning opportunity constantly. I think that something that I value a lot from this journey that I've been going on through an Instagram is that I learned so much as well. And I learn a lot from people like you and I learn a lot from any of my close friends and also people that I, I don't know, people that just reply to my stories and are like, oh, have you ever seen this? Or 
look at this reference and like, do you remember it or whatever? And I've learned so much just by sharing things that I like. And I think that that for me is like the most valuable part of this all, like this journey through social media and this journey through references and archives is that one, there's always more to learn. And two, that it's fine if you don't know all of it. Like that, I think we get caught up into, especially in fashion, you want to be in the know. You want, you know, you want to know it all. You want to, you want to be the girl that, that like can clock a reference that mm-hmm. that's like aware you want to be the, the the most knowledgeable and i think for me it's been humbling and incredibly wonderful to learn so much from so many other people i i i think that's that's been magical and i think that's something that i appreciated the most about like again talking about references as a plate right just it's fine it's fine to not know it all it's fine to for me just share the information and see like if someone agrees if someone's like oh actually that's not the references this is it i'm like oh sickening thank you <laughs> thank you for teaching you me more. like can i share this to show the girls that there's actually more and i love doing that i love when i'm talking about like a collection and i like in ss21 um christian Soriano had done like this dress with like flowers on it right like pinned flowers or something and Jacques Mousse had done it like what two seasons ago and I had posted this around and I was like oh like Jacques Mousse did it and then someone replied and was like actually there's a Dries reference and he sent me the Dries reference and I was like girl like my mind was blown. <laughs> I had no idea and, like, there you I'm, go the Antwerp stick shows up again exactly and I loved right stand, but you you can't know it all right you you, you really can't you can't then it's fine and like when I shared that everyone was like oh my god I had no idea and I was like me neither <laughs> you know don't you love it like you love to like not know and all of a sudden find out and like those learning moments where people learn things at the same time as I do and it's like all live Instagram stories those are the most magical for me because it's it's nice to see people also leaning into the references leaning into trying to understand where they come from and why, why they're coming back I think that's also very valuable I think so too. I really do. And I think also what is huge about what you're saying right now is the things that you love the most, whether it's like music or especially film, I would say, um, not that I'm a film buff, don't hold, don't hold that to me, um, is if you just look, for example, at the credits and who's involved in making that, you'll probably see people that you know and really admire. Like you didn't know, like you do, you know, you don't know who it is, but you know the work. And I think a great example of that is, um, you know, you've posted this before and we've chatted about it is, you know, the fifth element and that bandage dress that mm-hmm. Jean-Paul Gaultier did. Like so many people, they remember the dress, but they forget that he's the one that did it. Like he's the one that did the costume design or even think about a movie like, you know, I Am Love and Raph Simmons behind so many of the, you know, the looks that were involved with that. And, you know, really just having moments like that and being like, oh, wow, this is a, something, you know, something that I love. I didn't even know that they were involved in that. And I think that's an example of a reference, right? It's just like, if you see a movie, if you see a documentary, um, you know, really just uh, look into it, see who was involved in it, see who, you know, like, you know, pull back the curtain, see like, who was in, you know, who was part of this? Cause this feels so much like blank, you know, enter name and you'll be surprised. And I think that that's so cool. And that's part of the, I think that's part of the learning and part of the research. I don't think that we always mean research in this like, um, really academic sense, but we also are referring to it in a way where it's just, you know, it's a step past consumption. It's like mm-hmm. you can consume, we all consume, we all absorb, um, you know, we all are entertained by something, but then a step further that you can go is really looking at how did this start? Like, who were the collaborators? Where did they shoot this? 
Um, who's looks at the poll for this? Um, what were they inspired? What were their inspirations and what were their references? And I think that um, it's really cool and something that for me has been um, a reason why I think I'm, I'm such a geek when it comes to fashion. And I think that there are designers, for example, that are really good about that. And I think I'm so happy you brought up Christopher. I think Christopher is someone, Christopher John Rogers, for anyone who doesn't know, would be shocked. <laughs> uh, who we both love and care about, you know, is someone who's really good at that and is really someone I think that embraces that. And this is now, I think, a point in the conversation and we've talked about this over DM is I think there's such an obsession with, there's such a purist obsession with originality, mm -hmm. right? This, this idea that your idea or your inspiration or your thought process exists in a vacuum. It doesn't. I mean, there are such a, let me be careful before everyone starts to get angry or upset. There is such a thing as copycatting. There is such a thing as stealing. There is such a thing as just lifting someone's template or taking from someone, sort mm -hmm. of colonizing an idea um, or a project. But I do think that there is an unnecessary obsession with originality. I think that when we step back and when we pause and we accept that, this world around us, the internet, everything informs how we think and how we feel and how we create. I think that that's something that um, will also just kind of let us loosen up a little bit. Um, and there are some, like I said, brands, some designers who are really clear and I think very intentional about the references that they have. And they're very thoughtful about it. Um, and then there are others who don't, who don't do the work and they get called out. You know, they don't do the research. And they don't, you know, they don't have uh, oversight into what their team's looking at um, or the, the screenshots that they're taking and, you know, they get in trouble and that's what happens. So there is a fine line, but I think that those who are aware and do it well, do it really well. And they end up in a way becoming um, a reference themselves. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. For me, those designers that I find that I always love to nerd into the references and wonder what they, what they've referenced is because I can tell or I can see that the references go beyond, go past fashion, right? There's film, there's beauty, there's photography, there's culture, there's history. There's so many other things that they're referencing that create this compelling perspective. Like you look at a mood board that, for example, Chris sets up, there's film, there's furniture, there's photos that he's taking of trash bags. There's like whatever inspires him. Informs the, <laughs> informs exactly. The I was just thinking that as you were saying, I was like, what about the hefty bag? Let's not forget. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's, that's something that's so important to really, and not only as a designer, but also as an expectator to, to, to have that, that 360 perspective of what inspiration is and understand that inspiration can and should come from a lot of other things, but fashion. Of course. And, going into that i think from what you just said that there is in fact some like copycatting right and we talk about this a lot and i think i talk about this a lot in dms with other people because um whenever i do like mention a reference i never unless i'm explicitly saying so i'm ne I'm, I'm never like oh they like they copied this or they like sometimes they do and sometimes i mention it like i'm not gonna pretend like i don't but in most parts, I'm just trying to give you a more complete perspective of this piece, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's more about history than it is about clocking a reference and blame and putting blame on something on someone. And I think um, an important part of understanding and talking about fashion is yes, understanding references, but also removing the focus on of reference and center that criticism into something that you've mentioned before that is the final piece, right? Like 
this that I'm looking at be without its references, without um, all the things that it's informed by, like, is it impactful? Like, does it hold weight in the moment? Does it portray the zeitgeist in a specific way? How does it make me feel? Do I want it? Do I want to wear it? Do I see myself in it? And I think that's an important way of looking at fashion because that's how you look at art as well, right? Like that's how you mm -hmm. look at anything. You don't only try to understand its history, but you you just want to look at it and, and see it by itself. And I think that that's something that you mentioned in one of my DMs many, many seasons ago, I think, <laughs> that really struck me. And it's something that I've carried with me into every collection that I look at and every collection that I talk about. Like, how does this make me feel by itself without focusing on the reference? Like the reference is always going to be there, but this also should hold weight by itself. And yes. that is also where you see if it becomes like quote unquote copy of something that's like, oh, like a merchant saw that this was doing well in the stores. So they asked the designer to do a version of, and that holds no weight. Like that is just a, a, that's just a business tool, right? Like it needs to make money. And the other side of it is like this beautiful thing that can be informed by so many things, but you just want to see it by itself and you find it special by itself. But also something that I, I've been fixating a lot in a lot of the conversations that I have that I've had during SS21 is that people would be in my DMs and say like this looks like Helmut or this looks like Raph or it looks like it's like Yoji or and yes <laughs> they they were usually right but we get so caught up in in mentioning our current favorites right like we all have our specific favorites we all have designers we relate to the most the work that we gravitate to the most. And those are interestingly enough, like I have friends, I have a friend that's obsessed, obsessed with Miyaki. And every time that someone does something that's relatively close, he like, he's like, oh, that's, that's a copy or that that's such a reference. And I'm like, you have to also step away from this fave that you have and their work and your knowledge on their work and focus on what you're looking at. You know, like we have to, when we're decentering references from the work that is talking or criticizing or discussing about fashion, you also have these, to decenter these names because we get so caught up into just focusing on specific designers and how they have impacted some work that we forget about so many other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, I've, I've been trying to make this distinction with a lot of the people that I talk to in my DMs as like, if you're going to get caught up in always clocking this, the references to this one person, then you owe it to yourself and to the work of other people to also make sure that you you call out everyone else right like why why are some names deserved of calling out as references or as and, and, and others are not you know if we're centering our discourse and referencing should we not go like all the way to the beginning and name all of the names and not only talk about designers but talk about the culture that influenced these designers you yeah know, for sure that americana quote unquote is, is a good example of that like we Americana has been used as as an aesthetic or as a style or whatnot by so many people and you and I talked about this in the past and it's like but what is Americana like where does it come from what are the cultures that informed this aesthetic that now is used by so many brands so many not even only New York based brands or, or USA brands who what are who are the people that informed this you know like what what is Americana is it is it really just cowboys like no it's not right and it's like <laughs> what goes what goes past that and it's not only designers it's cultures and it's people, mm -hmm. and usually minorities that have informed so much of the discourse and so much of the work and by for me by centering our discourse and only 
a handful of, of, of very well-known designers were doing a disservice to, to the history that is fashion and to the history of, of the work that so many people have done over the years to, to create what we have now as an industry, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love the I love that Americana conversation that we had because it's that's something that really is truly rooted in culture and regionalism, and is something that um, now more than ever we're really looking at critically and going, how do we redefine this? You know, and and that I mean, if anything, you know, when we're talking about Americana and, and if really it's it's something like what is Americana is it's very similar to to the conversation we have about designers and, and that, that remark that you made about people get so caught up in their favorites that they, they almost see everything through that filter, the filter mm -hmm. of who their favorites are. And I think that that's something that's really legitimate and something that is, um, it definitely holds weight, but you know, at the same time is something that can also sort of bias us and it can make us really blind to the fact that there's, that there's something more. I mean, I even think of one of the most, the most sort of screenshotted reference Dries collections. And a lot of the reference that he had in that collection was really from, you know, it was from Southeast Asia. And it was from, you know, it was from Southern Asian communities and cultures. And I think that what's interesting about that is if we were to then take that responsibility of going, well, I love that collection, you need to look at what his references were and go a step beyond just sort of consuming the work, taking screenshots of that collection. And this is one that, you know, this is one from, from the 90s and, and going, where does that come from? Now, where did he pull from? I think what you can do to sort of hold yourself accountable, any of us, is really, if you see something that you love, go as far back as you possibly can in where they pulled from. Go as far back as you possibly can in what research that they did. And you'll see that because what I think what we're also talking about right now is erasure and it's the erasure of credit and it's the erasure of origin um, and also communities, often communities of color, often marginalized or underrepresented communities that are not getting the credit um, due. I mean, it's something that is huge. And, and again, it's, it's also very personal to me as someone who, who is mixed and who's part of my culture is a Latinx heritage is something that is so important right now that we that we really we really check the source you know we're really <laughs> we're really good about it with food right we want to know what ingredients are in our food we're really good about it with uh you know not really good about it i guess but we're really good about it in in the in the sense of politics right we know we want to know where someone comes from what they believe in what their background is what they stand for the work that they've done but for whatever reason fashion and in the and the arts is something that we feel it's not as, maybe it's not as important, maybe it's not as crucial um, to look back, to check the origin, to see where something really comes from. We sort of uh, experience it in the moment, right? And it's like, oh, you know, great. Maybe maybe we'll know, oh, they were inspired by, you know, the kimono or something. It's like, okay, cool. It's, it sort of stops there, um, but it really doesn't. And I think that looking further back is also a way that you can respect and honor the cultures and the communities that it comes from. And again, it's something that I feel your Instagram and, and something that um, I've really enjoyed um, helps, to, helps to capture and to emphasize. Um, I really do think that all of this is related to, to the conversation, again, that we're having about culture. And what we've seen now with you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and the push and work towards 
racial equity to social justice, the upending of oppressive structures and institutions, and really folks taking back things that were taken from them and, and giving credit where credit is due. And then going beyond even that, that's a, that's a responsibility that our industry has. There is really an opportunity right now, um, I, I especially mean like literally right now in culture, for us to participate in the rebalancing and the redistribution of credit, intellectual property, um, of cultural culture, um, cultural references, because it's really something that we owe ourselves and we owe the people around us and we owe the communities that we're pulling from, that we're taking from. You know, we see accounts or we see, you know, folks like Diet Prada, for example, and the purpose that they serve. And I think that some of it is, of course, founded in, in the fact that, you know, they're legitimate call-outs. But also, it's, I think that it's an account that really speaks to, you know, the sort of theme of, like, did you catch that? Like, did you see that? And while not every call-out is something that I think is, is substantive, it's definitely sparking a conversation about where ideas come from. And yeah. that, that, I think, wasn't possible um, really before social media in the sense that you're having this massive collective of people who are both new to fashion, who are not new to fashion, who work in it, who don't work in it, um, going like, well, I didn't know about that. Or yeah, I knew about that. And I think that's something that's really interesting. And they're all in the same group. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, like, exactly. It's like, you know, it's like, what, what are you, what are you here for? I think that's what is, that's what's an, another question that's on, you know, all of our minds is like, are you, are you here for, to learn more? Or are you here to just attack someone and bring them down? Or are you here to hold someone accountable? And I think that you don't have to choose. You can do all of those things at once. Um, exactly. Yeah. That, yeah, like where things come from and also the crediting and just putting two and two together and all these Instagram accounts, right? There's all, there's also like inside the moon that I love inside the moon because they always put like these side-by-sides of like where things come from. But Diet product for me is like a very interesting, um, I don't want to call it a monster. <laughs> I would call it like a- It's uh, become an institution. Yeah, an institution, there you go. Um, I used to be a Diet product fan, for example, like early years when it had like a handful of followers and it was just fun and it was just like people talking shit basically, right? They're talking mm-hmm. about that, they're talking about like nerding out on things. And I think that for a while it was, it was good and it was important, like, and it was very relevant going into what you were saying that before without like this omnipresent social media that there was no way of like clocking these references or maybe make, making them more, like making everyone aware of them at the same time. It was important to have like a, an institution like that come up and just say, hey, things come from somewhere else. And like people are like, quote unquote, knocking each other off. Um, and I think that for a while, like, again, I used, I used to love it and I used to participate and I used to like try to send them things and like hoping, hoping they would repost or whatever. And I think that as, as, as instrumental as it was for a while and as important as it was, it has really altered the way a lot of people are looking at fashion and it's not only people in fashion but it's i would say most significantly people adjacent to fashion yeah right and people around fashion are people that want to participate and i think that something that happens to me a lot is that when i'm posting about a collection people reply about it with like 
snarky comments or being mean or just like saying this is ugly and it looks this way and I always want to step back from that because one I also as a designer like I would even if it's ugly I would hate someone to just be talking about that I'm talking like that about my work right like it it even if it's ugly, it is, it takes an incredible <laughs> amount of effort and it's, it's hard. Um, so I have a respect for honestly, like anything that people make, because I, I know how hard it is to make it um, and how much it takes in, in so many different ways. But I, I always try to like say like, girls, this is not that product. Like we're not here to like put blame on people to like talk, to like put down people on their work um with I don't know and I think I always try to gravitate and sometimes I find myself like going into that because people it's like clickbaity right people like that and people participate in that and people want to joke around and like be funny and mean but I always try to step away from that as well when I can because it has as as again as instrumental as it was it has really shaped and altered a way in which we look at, at fashion right it's like made it again like about specific references and about um, calling people out instead of asking for um, accountability, as you're saying, or just... I mean, for me, it's gotten to a point where, it, in my opinion, it kind of lacks the necessary nuance to dominate so much of the internet fashion discourse and commentary, right? It's like it's created or contributed to a way of speaking about fashion that becomes so petty. And in some ways, it's just more about the punchline than it is about the rest of the work, you know? I don't know, in a way it falls like the early kind of like Joe Rivers in use fashion police discourse, except that with Joe Rivers, you know that she's a comedian, right? And she's not trying to brand herself as anything other than that. Versus Diet Pride is out here, like then they brand themselves as very much the source of information, journalistic kind of side. But then you kind of have this other side of it where it's about the punchline. So it's kind of hard for me to do both and to find credibility in both. I don't know. My thing is also that I think that they're now so feared because they're so instrumental to cancel culture, but then who's who's calling them out? I think that is what has also made them lose a lot of credibility because purposely or not, they have really branded themselves as the watchdog of a lot of these issues, right? But then who holds them accountable? I've also talked to a lot of the dolls, um, just in the DMs in general, who honestly say that they don't follow them anymore because it's just it's just a lot. Because it's also like, we see who you follow and we, and we see who you choose to call out and what you choose to speak on and a lot of these other things that you choose to not speak about so it's like can you really choose like if you are going to be this this institution quote unquote are you really allowed to choose i don't know if you want like for me if you want to brand yourself as sort of this journalistic side which nowadays they really are doing that then you either not call everyone out and hold everyone accountable or you have to be very very clear with your biases and for me they really don't do either. I do think there is a value in that kind of commentary that, that casts like a really white net. But for me, it leaves room for a lot of misinterpretation and misreading of fashion as an industry, right? And not only is what we do, but also is the kind of people that we are. I don't particularly think that Diet Prada represents me, for example. You know, and it's funny because there's a lot of people in my DMs who are like, oh my God, you're going to be the new Diet Prada. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't want that. I find I find diet products so interesting. So I would love to hear your thoughts on them and just how do you think they have altered the way we look at fashion and if you think it's positive, if it's negative, if it's a mixture of both. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely. I, yeah, I also remember when it was starting up, and you know, 
went from a few thousand followers to a few hundred thousand followers pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think about it in a few different ways. Does it serve a purpose? Absolutely. Does it have a responsibility now? Absolutely. And does it have um, credibility? For sure. Does it also have an opportunity to mislead? Yes. Mm-hmm. So again, I mean, so this is something I sort of live by, but like many things can be true at once. Yeah. As this, I think as a sort of tool, um, if we want to look at it really like, you know, really crudely, um, it, it serves as something that is trying to hold typically often large brands, but not always large brands because they have their own favorites as we know. Yeah. And they've, they've commented on before um, is, you know, we have sort of a T-chart of big brands, notable brands, brands that are not always as notable, but I think hold some sort of commercial value or weight. And then, you know, and that's in one column. And then the other column is, you know, the reference, where did it come from? The thing that's being, the thing that's being plagiarized, the thing that's being, you know, copycatted. And I think like really sort of fundamentally, that's how it's, I think perhaps started where it was like, oh, this thing that you all love, it actually comes from somewhere else. Um, and that's great. And that's something that I think is in our industry, at least, you know, for you, for me, for so many of us has always been something that has existed, right? It's like, oh, this feels so much like blank or this looks just like blank. Um, but what it's become, I think now is sort of an obsession with a really purist mindset of like, there's this thing and they stole it from this person when oftentimes that's not where the conversation ends. And I think that's where it gets a little bit dangerous. That's where it gets a little bit um, tricky where, and I think that's something that your account, for example, or that you know, you're very conscious of in what you post um, is, is huge because it often is an end there. It's not like, oh, this, you know, uh, I can't even think of a brand, you know, whatever. This Gucci piece looks just like something that was made X years ago by blank. Well, okay, how much further beyond that can we go? Yeah. And also, what is the point in, in this discourse if we're not going to look as far back as possible? And I do think that their, their account has, has done that. They're very aware of the responsibility that they have, I think. And, um, you know, I, I knew Tony, one of the co-founders in a different life years ago, who's great. And, you know, he's really smart and really aware and has a, you know, as a designer himself, does a design background. Um, but now I think one of the interesting things, and there's really, there was an article, I forget who did this article, um, but essentially it was like, you know, oh, what's, what is Dyer Prada's authority? You know, what is their credibility? Yeah. You know, who are they to say that blah, blah, blah. So I think maybe it was, maybe it was something Tim Blanks had said, yeah. you know, where it was like, you know, are they editors? Unsure. You know, are they, are they someone, you know, are they people who should be um, the most authoritative in the space, TBD. But I think what's really interesting and why it pisses so many people off in kind of a cool and sometimes awkward way is really it, it is holding up against people and to people this idea that like this thing that you love actually um, comes from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it really sort of upsets people. People don't like to think that this thing that they like or they respond to or care about or bought <laughs> or reposted 
um, is actually like, you know, quote unquote, a knockoff or a copycat. And I also don't think that everything that they post really is. Um, and, and I do think that there's a fine line and there is a responsibility in, in uh, giving credit. There's, there's a responsibility in what you're calling out. Um, and also, you know, there are designers, I know that they have posted and the designer themselves has commented and saying, I couldn't have been any more transparent in the fact that this, you know, that this look was a reference or that yeah. this look was inspired by something or, you know, oh, of course it's derivative. Like I, I want it to be, I've been watching this movie or this, you know, I've been, I've been looking at this campaign for like every day for like years. I wanted to like pay homage to it. There yeah. are so many fine lines between all of those things that I think that's where it gets a little bit tricky because their account in particular, and it's not just their account, but it's really this obsession with like binary, this obsession mm -hmm. with um, it's either black or it's white. It's either right or it's wrong. It's either an original or it's a copycat. Exactly. And I think that is really tricky. Um, of course it exists. Is it an absolute fact? No. And we can't be absolutist and purist about it. We have to know sometimes there is nuance and there's a gray area. And, you know, it could be familiar without being, you know, uh, a fraud. You know, it could be something that um, is referential, but is still aspirational and, and exciting and feels exactly. new. But I think honestly, Jose, that that is so nuanced, that sort of like quote unquote for the masses that's just difficult to, to get everyone to buy into that. I think it's too complicated. I think it's too difficult. People like to see, you know, the side by sides, people mm -hmm. like to see, um, you know, they're right. This is wrong. Um, it's easier, but uh, it, it definitely serves a purpose. I do think now that it's grown into something larger, it has a responsibility, whether or not maybe they see that or understand that, which I, I think they do to some extent um, to, to protecting, uh, you know, the, the careers and livelihoods and, um, you know, brands uh, of people that are involved is, is definitely something that um, is tricky. But I mean, I don't know. I, I really think also it just, it, it all just is an exercise in doing our research and in knowing more. It's like the more you know, it's really all about that. And also I think what's interesting is, you know, they're, they of course, like any other sort of entity, you know, they now have their own merch and they have their own mm -hmm. you know, commerce shop and you know, their own, the, I guess, what we call it, gift shop. Um, and it becomes its own, it becomes its own machine and it come, becomes its own, uh, you know, engine by this, this sort of mass following that they have. But yeah. I, I really do think it was a breakthrough for our industry in what oh, they set sure. up and what they created. It was a massive breakthrough. Well, we'll see what the future of it, you know, is and, and how people continue to respond. And um, I think as, and as you said, building off of that, like, how people in fashion, people not in fashion respond to it. Mm -hmm. um, because I do think that the relationship is very different. And I mean, I've had friends of mine whose work that they posted. And this was earlier on. This is not now. So this is a few years ago. And I was like, eh, I don't know if I buy that. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and listen, everything is laden with bias and everything is laden with our own filters. And our, as you said earlier, our own favorites, whose work we see everything through and, you know, they're people, it's people behind all of it. You know, go to their, go to who they're following. Are they following brands that you like? Are they following friends of yours? You know, they're following a few friends when they're not following others. So that lends itself to, you know, um, to another question of who's to say, you know, who, why are you the authority on this? So many thoughts on what I just said, because I honestly, I agree with all of it. I think they were really a breakthrough, as you say, for our industry. And they just, 
the discourse that they've created and the way in which people have started to look at that, like, especially like younger people have started to look at fashion again um, because of the work that they had been doing is so important. And yeah, something that is so important is the word nuance that you just said, right? It's like, and I think that sometimes in the internet, we, we, we lack nuance and we lack content. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like the double-edged sword of the internet, right? That there's so much information readily available, especially in places like Twitter or Instagram, but we don't, we are always missing the context unless explicitly given to us we yes. don't have context and we also don't have and this is again it becomes personal right the nuance like nuance comes with it has it holds a lot of weight right is it has to be intentional and it, it comes with work and it comes with wanting to know more and wanting to understand more and and i think again that's why when you when you say that people love the side by side that's why because when you're on instagram you don't always want the in-depth critique or the in-depth analysis or the in-depth um like you you sometimes only want the side by side and you just want to look at that and be like <laughs> well and then move on you know <laughs> and it, it has- now jose like the the idea of sort of what what like the the news article has become or the fashion news article has become um is another great example where it's like people don't want to read not everyone but a lot of folks it's easier just to read a listicle right mm-hmm. like like the 10, the 10 trends from this season, and it's like numbers one through 10, exactly. or it's like, you know, the, the five things that you need to know about X. And that's just how we, I mean, it's, it's swipe culture and it's thumb stop exactly. culture. And, and I think it's something that is easy. It's easy. It's convenient. I mean, it's digestible. nuance is major. Um, but you know what, Jose, I think it takes time. I mean, yeah. that takes time for people to understand it. It's, it's something that a lot of us are just we're impatient we're we're moving on to the next thing we're bombarded with images and posts and quote-unquote content all the time that you just you miss it you know some of the times the way that i i get my news is through what 140 character new york times push notification (laughs) and you see it and it's like you see two three sentences and you feel informed right you feel like you know and you and you're, you're ready to move on to the next thing but it's more complicated than that sometimes. Well, I think to close up, I'll I'll touch into one of one last thing you said, that is the bias. I have a bias as well, you know, like and my bias is based on my taste, my knowledge, my experiences, the things that I like or appreciate, the things that I know, the things that I'm aware of, and the things I want to learn more about. And I think that it's so important to understand, and it's been so important for me to not only understand my own biases, but also understand people's biases. Mm-hmm. Like understand that the people that I talk to in the daily, the people that I follow, the people that um, I read have their own biases and that, that that's perfectly fine. You know? right. That for me has been so important into, again, this journey of talking, discussing fashion and understanding it. And even telling other people and people I don't know about fashion is that not only... <laughs> Again, everything that I say comes with a disclaimer that, hey, I'm biased, like, remember this. But also understanding that everyone else also has a bias. Like, Diet Prada has a bias. Um, you have a bias. Our friends, yes. anyone you, we talk to, like, we're all biased, and that's fine, right? It, it has to be fine, because it's it's human nature to have a bias, to have our faves and to have our not-so-faves. Um, <laughs> right, we can have a bias for or against. Exactly, and it really has to be fine. And I think there's value in bias, because that same bias is 
informs those those beautiful words that are context and nuance, right? For sure. I mean, it's really beautifully said. And I think also what is huge about that is it's like if you can see your bias, then you can really open yourself up to learning more and knowing more. And I think really, truly, that is that is so critical. And I mean, I have my own bias. I'm from the Northeast. It's like I'm, I'm a gay man who's Italian and Puerto Rican, who's 32, who, you know, has, a, you know, I went to the school that I went to and I have a friends that I have and the experience that I have. And all of that's informed the way that I see things. All of that's informed the way that I filter opinions. All that's informed what I defend and, and what I, what I uh, you know, push up against. I, I love that you said that. And I love that it's also called, you know, your, your series is called that because it really is, um, it really is at the core of so much stuff. And especially after a year or in a year right now where we're looking at the, the implications of bias, um, both personal and, and also political slash societal that, mm-hmm. um, you know, being aware of that is the only way forward. So exactly. thank you so much. Thank you. And I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank you for your time and thank you for your knowledge. And thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'll probably be damning you in a little bit anyway. <laughs> By all means, please do. <laughs> but yeah, dolls, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bias. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe, etc. Follow us on Instagram. And yeah, thank you so much.